This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Welcoming back an old guest. It's been quite a while since we've had him on our podcast, Steve Mascord. Welcome. 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 I think last time we spoke, I was sort of begrudgingly um, talking about my personal life and now I'm trying to uh, make money out of it. So that's how far that's how far we've come. <laughs> I've got a feeling I might have spoken to you last time in London, wasn't it? Actually, we, yeah, we did speak in London as well. Yeah, we did speak in London as well. And we spoke we spoke at Homebush. I think it was a day of a state of origin. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you go, yeah. Absolutely. The, um, now, look, there's a lot to talk to you about. Um, I, 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 I'm calling this sort of the book interview. You've got a book out, Touchstones, which I want to get to soon. But I also want to talk about your, um, your podcasts, what you're doing over here in the UK, um, and I sort of might start there if, if you like. It's you've sort of relocated. You basically you've got a passport now. I think you're you're British citizen. Mm-hmm. Did just give us the background of all this. Oh well, that, it's it's kind of it's um, mainly uh, personal reasons. You know, my wife's Irish and lives in London, and um, she wants to live close to a family, and she can just. Uh, we've, I've just been in Ireland at a family event, so uh, and I have only ever, despite the fact that um, I travel a, a bit I, I, I've only ever lived in Sydney and Wollongong so I tried living in Byron Bay but <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work that well so um, so, um, so so it's pretty exciting to be living in a, in a, in a city like London and um, obviously uh, you know there's a, a trying times, disturbing times here in the UK and, and in many many parts of the world and in Australia and Melbourne recently but um, nevertheless it's really exciting yeah, yeah. the um because you've always been a, I like to think of you as a citizen of the world, you know, I, I used to be always very envious that I was sort of stuck in an office in, in Sydney, even, I've broken out of that for a month, but, but uh, otherwise I'm there, but, but you did have sort of day jobs for, in Sydney, but there was also a few months of the year where you'd just go on tour. When I was 14 or 15, I would have dreamt that someone would say that to me and be recording it and people would hear it. That someone described me that way. That was this mission accomplished now. And go back to Wollongong now. <laughs> but um, do you still, do you base yourself somewhere now for, for you know, but and I guess you're a married man now, so how much has that changed the um, lifestyle? It's all, it's all very fluid, James, because um, um, it's all very new. So yeah, at, the moment, okay. at the moment, I've got to um, earn money still got to earn money in Australia. I don't have enough work here to move here full-time. So uh, I, I, I was back home between rounds two and eight of the NRL, and I'll be back for the, in time for the third origin. Then I'll be back again for the World Cup. Um, and uh, so at the moment, I'm, I, I haven't settled into a routine. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what my arrangements are. I have none. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just kind of like doing what works for now, and then maybe hopefully next year... I'll be able to um, stay in, stay here more, and you know I'd still like to travel, but I, you know I'd like to not have to go back to Oz all the time because I'd like to be able to see more of Europe, like everyone who says every Aussie who comes here, yeah. and uh, I'd like to be able to go back. You know, the great thing about going backwards and forwards all the time is there's a lot of interesting things between Ballam and Erskineville, so uh, I'm kind of doing my best to check them out. You know, on the as I so go. So where's home well, home is in Ballam in South London, yeah, okay. yeah, and 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 in Sydney it's it's Erskineville. They're both very similar, actually. Kind of uh, um, got a kind of um, uh, a mecca on their doorsteps, New Newtown and Clapham. Um, they're a bit more villagey. They've got a few more locals. Uh, got a lot of uh, uh, coffee shops and, and restaurants and, and some good pubs. So they're actually Ballam and Erskineville have got a fair bit in common. The um 
for people who are wondering, he's still sort of living the lifestyle I often wish I was doing. He's just he's flown into our Manchester. We're speaking in Manchester. Did I say that early on? I'm not no, sure if I did. We're in, we're in, we're in the, the most. We're, we're in that 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 building that defies physics. The the um the Hilton in Manchester. It's uh, where the top of it is bigger than the bottom, and you wonder why it doesn't topple over. That's we're sitting we're sitting in, and we're not drinking beer. But I, we decided we weren't going to reveal what we were drinking because we look like wusses. <laughs> so we're not going to reveal what we are drinking. Yeah, when he says the top is bigger than the bottom, actually halfway up it hangs out, so it, it it's there's more space on the top half of the building. The floor mm-hmm. overhangs the bottom. And it's quite dramatic. They have a bar there. I think there's offices or something up until the halfway mark. Well, no, it's hotel. It's hotel to the halfway mark. The Hilton has a bar at the floor where it starts to hang out. And then I think above that, it's um, exclusive apartments where all the rich people in Manchester live. I'm guessing maybe a few footballers because there's, there's a lot of um, footballers based up here in uh, in the north. But I guess the soccer players are the guys who earn the big bucks. But there's a lot of... Um, this is your old stamping ground because it's Super League territory, isn't it? There's it is, although not the city. And, you know, tonight I had the option, and isn't it wonderful to be able to say I can just decide not to go because <laughs> it's raining. I had the option of going to a Salford game tonight and a Salford are thinking of um, rebranding themselves Manchester because they're just not getting crowds. And so um, even though it's a curiosity, which is hard for people in Australia to get their head around, but you'll have a big city uh, where um, the, the 1990, uh, 1990 kangaroos stayed here and Paul Siren and Steve Roach could walk around and no one would know who they are except two unfeasibly big <laughs> fellas, you know. And yet and yet they, they could get in a car for half an hour and go out to uh, Wigan or Warrington or one of those places or an hour, 45 minutes, and they would be household names. It's a really weird thing about rugby league in the UK, you know. Um, I'm going to have to get into the specifics of your finances later. I'm sorry, but they... they, they, (laughs) I know, they come up in the book, so I'm really going to have to drill you a little bit there and get an... get an. my wife isn't listening to and get a bit of an update it from. But look, he, I said he's living the rock and roll life. He flew in from Dublin. He was at Aerosmith last night. He's rocking the Aerosmith T-shirt at the moment. It's a lovely old retro one. It, it looks fantastic. So a good choice. <laughs> it is, but I've actually ran out of clean clothes. So I had to, <laughs> even if all the designs sucked last night, I still would have to buy one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing you could have done a lot cheaper at uh, one of the high street um, fashion houses, couldn't you? How much did that set you back in Aerosmith to it? Um, 40 euro, which compared to Australia, this would be like 80 at an Australian gig, maybe. Expensive t-shirt. No, 85, anyway. 90 in Australia, so a little bit cheaper. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm eating a chocolate bicky. Um, <laughs> but the des- the um, the design, it's like the three quarter length kind of. Uh, um, is it like a, a baseball? Baseball ones have got the buttons. Anyway, it's three quarter length yeah. tee, yeah. and um, and uh, I was going to say. Um, um, in America, this this would be an M, but in Ireland, okay. in Ireland it's an L, and it barely fit me as an L. And someone said to me you, this morning, "Well, you are in the land of the little people. You're in Middle Earth now, so the size is a little smaller." <laughs> now we're just talking about now. So yeah, you still work for the Hell. You still do set of six. Mm. You still do Discord, and I, and I, have blo- and and I the, do a blog. The, now, what do you call it? Crazy Saturday. Stupid Saturday. Stupid Saturday. Alliteration. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Um, and it's like Wicked Wednesday for State of Origin. But um, I was going to say, um, yeah, and like you and, and, and like your son, you were telling me, um, we work remotely. And I think it's kind of a world that most people, the majority of people, wouldn't really have their heads around. Mm. You know, so, uh, um, yeah, um, but but I can't, I tell people that I can't, um, um, well, there's two things about it. I, I tell people that I can't possibly, I can, any given day, I can work remotely. 
but mm. a whole year I can't. You've mm. got to go back and show your face and not be taking the piss, you know? Sure. Uh, the other thing about it is that um, because of the time difference, I have to do two-thirds of my weekly work on one day in this country. Mm. So I have to get up and do the blog at 5 a.m. on a Saturday, and it's very, it's very intense it's all the way through to maybe 12.30. Then I can have a little break, and then I have to do set of six, which... Um, you probably can't tell from reading it, but I do, I do try to, you know, try to have reasonably high standards where I don't just throw out anything, you know. Mm. So, so, I, so, it, it, Saturdays are just ridiculous here, you know. And I like it in America because of the time difference. Like I was in Los Angeles on the way here, I was able to. Um, the blog started late Saturday night, maybe ten or eleven. I was finished four, five. Mm. I was able to sleep, you know, um, and then. Uh, you know, get up in the morning, have a look at what's in the Aussie papers, and it was much more um, crew. I don't think any anyone who's ever done rugby league writing has ever been able to look at it this way. Is how easy it is in each time zone as you move around the world to do the same job for the same paper in the same market. But um, this is the worst place to be, even though it's a rugby league playing country. It's the worst place to be to do what I do for the Sydney Morning Herald every week because Saturdays are just punishing, absolutely punishing. <laughs> yeah, look, I'm a bit of an amateur at this. I'm working remotely. Uh, I've only ever done it for maybe a week at the most. Here I'm in starting my third week and the time is a real punish. I'm sorry, I'm finding myself staying up really late. Mm-hmm. And then you try and get up early to maybe catch people before they leave if you're trying to catch someone who works nine to five mm-hmm. so yeah but um it's uh look it is wonderful working here and there's there's lots of upside so i'm not sort of complaining about it at all the weather's not one of them <laughs> no it has been pretty good though i mean it's we summer in london on a good day it's like an austin powers movie <laughs> in your know, summer in london but but it, uh, yeah well the rain showers just rock through here and it's but it hasn't got cold though. Still, no, still yeah, quite, yeah. still quite yeah, it feels is, yeah. quite warm, you know. Yeah, it is nice. It is nice, and people kind of wear shorts because this is the only time of the year they can. So they wear. Well, they break out the shorts and the minis at the drop of a hat, don't they? You know? <laughs> so, so, um, that's sort of good. Look, let's talk a little bit about the book then. Touchstones. Um, it's got a couple of sort of subtitles, and it rock. Uh, no, rugby league, rock and roll, the road, and me. Um, and there's also something I don't know if it's on the back cover. Um, fifty-two games and fifty-two gigs. Yeah, um, I, I've sort of set myself, I'm hoping, I've actually been surprised how many opportunities do pop up to talk about it when you've got a book coming out. It really surprised me. This is the second podcast I've done in three days. But as someone who runs a podcast myself, I know you, you're you hungry for content. And the only time people w- want to talk is when they've got something to flog. <laughs> but also it's the only time it enters your head to approach them, you know what I mean? So, um, I, But I, I sort of challenge myself that when I do um, the... Uh, um, um, promo for it that I could I could um, describe what the book's about a different time in every, a way in every interview, um, and I'll just and so for this interview I'll describe it as a, a way to uh, carry um, childhood uh, um, obsessions and even fantasies. Uh, into adulthood and still be a semi-functional human being. Um, I guess that's kind of what, that's one way of describing what it's about. Um, it's about me kind of like grappling with sort of little, it's not about, that's one of the things it's about, okay? Don't, if you don't, a lot of people don't want to read about the guy who runs up and down the sideline on Triple M and asks, how's your hamstring? And it's not just that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but, but the one of the ways I approach it, one of the doors into it was like, how do you kind of, Use those illusions, if you like, those things that excited you as a kid, um, and then and then 
when you reach the point that that you find they're holding you back, what do you do? You know, and I don't know. Like, I mean, not everyone's the same. I said to the fellow the other night, like, some people um, must live in an actual, real, literal world. You know, the, the, that wall is just a wall. That curtain's just a curtain. The sky's a sky, and they don't need anything else to excite them to get them through every day. But I'm not like that. You know, I, I, as a kid, I love the iconography of rugby league. I love the footy cards and the socks and the headbands and the, and um, um, I loved rock and roll. I, I was into my my gateway drug was Kiss, and. Uh, um, and, and then from then on I discovered other bands and, and even now I'm just going back and listening to you know, the likes of Bad Company and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that but, but um, I, I think sometimes we, we think that um, what we like about rugby league is, a, is a, a try or a great cover tackle and what we like about music is a, a great riff like Smoke on the Water or whatever and, and they're not really the things that we like about them, we like the Everything we like the, um, the like I said the, the smells the colours the camaraderie um, the the fact that we share it with other people um, um, and, and and we don't I, well, I guess we don't admit that to ourselves but the question is if you become upset uh, which I did be obsessed with these things and try to turn them into a career it, you reach a point where where you're um, you become a bit obsessive compulsive and it starts to hold you back as an adult you know and I guess I reached that point. Um, and, and, and part of it, only a part of it, you might even be only one-sixth of what makes up the book, is me grappling with that and trying to, um, trying to learn what to, as I say, throw all your toys out of the cot and then look on the floor and figure out which ones you want to pick up and continue with and which ones to leave laying on the floor. And that was part of the process of me doing the book. That's not to say it's all the book's about, you know? The, the idea to publish and tell us about the deal... And tell us about some of it is crowdfunded. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so, uh, James, I guess like about ten years ago, some I had people say you should write a book. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I sat on planes and wrote stuff, just funny stories about friends and whatever, you know. And um, and then it kind of like it didn't ha- it, it didn't have any shape at all. It didn't. Uh, it wasn't about anything in particular. In fact, all those people who listen now going, I don't want to read about this guy. He's a Neville Nobody. <laughs> that's what it was at that point. It, that's what it was, you know. Like, um, um, it was just something that about someone who you've never heard of and whatever. And um, a, few, a, a few things happened. Um, uh, um, one was I decided that I'm, not, I'm only going to get this finished if I set myself a deadline, and that's where the 52 gigs of 52 games come in. Uh-huh. So, you know, wherever that led me, I would do that over the course of a year, go to a game and a gig a week, and wherever it led me, it, it would lead me where it may, you know. Um, and then and then some other stuff happened as far as me. Um, I'm adopted, so which we discussed three years ago, whenever it was. And so I, I discovered some stuff about where I came from and my original family and blah, blah, blah. And that that kind of allowed me to look at my life differently and more critically, you know. Um, so all these things sort of coalesced. Um, um, and, yeah, so as far as the commercial side of it, I, I just... New Year's Day 2015, I was in Northern Ireland, in Banbridge in Northern Ireland, and I set up a Kickstarter campaign to help me with the book. And, uh, um, and I, I think I set myself until the start of the season which was a world cup challenge to raise the money i set myself a tar- uh, target of four thousand dollars which is you know pretty modest i think 
uh, and I reached a target and then I started the book. Um, and I'd already, um, as far as publishing goes, I'd already had discussions with Scratching Shed here in the UK six, six years ago when I, the first book, you know. Um, um, and so I kept them in touch, but also I went to the Tom Brock Lecture, which is a, a rugby league, I know that might seem an oxymoron, but uh, an academic rugby league <laughs> um, uh, um, lecture that's on in Sydney every year. They have keynote, different keynote speakers. I went to a keynote speaker, I went to one of those, and Jeff Armstrong, who runs, uh, used to work with Ian Heads on Ironbark Press, and now runs Stoke Hill Press, sitting around with a beer in our hands, and said, uh, why don't you, um, uh, he said, oh, I said, I'd like to do a book, and I've sort of started, but it kind of blah, 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 it's not really going anywhere, and he said, well, uh, why don't you, um, um, why, why don't we do one together? So we had a few meetings, and he committed to it. And he's a, he's a, such a diligent worker, and he's a great fellow. He's just been over here recently, Jeff. Um, we had some negotiating difficulties with scratching shed, but they asked tomorrow. Touch whatever that is. Uh, touch for Micah. I'm um, what it, marble in the Hilton. Marble in the Hilton. Yeah. Um, we're signing contract tomorrow, so it will be out in the UK. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where we're at. I got it. the crowdfunding just kind of helped me through, uh-huh. and everyone who and I have to now fulfil the pledges. So I've got to do a coffee table book for a certain number so of people. So you had different levels of different yeah different levels, and um, and and Jeff's already God rest, God 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 bless him, not God rest his soul. God bless <laughs> Jeff. Um, uh, he's been posting out. Uh, um, Books. He, he'll need a rest actually when he's finished. Uh, he's been posting up books on my behalf, and he's got he gets nothing out of it. He's volunteered to service my crowdfunding people for nothing, you know. So it's very yeah. nice of him, you know. Um, um, and then, so I'm hoping to eventually, and it's on Amazon in the US as well okay. through a thing called uh, Amazon Advantage, which is basically they do fulfilment, and it's it's uh, it's rough. It's a rough deal financially to, mm. to be on have them. They 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 take. Uh, they demand 55% off the cover price. You have to post them the mm. books. They uh, they say they want 35 books because they've had six orders or whatever. And uh, you post it to them, and as far as I can tell, and until they sell them, you don't get anything mm. back. So it's 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 not it's not great. But I thought it was important to be on Amazon in the US, you know, um, uh, to sort of. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel a bit of a tight ass. I took I think one of the cheaper options in that uh, that crowdfunding offer, that Kickstarter deal. Just remind, what was the high end, and did it, many people go for that? What was the? I, I, you know, I haven't got it in front of me, but um, there was um, like you come around and have dinner with them or something. You know, there was, was, there was like one. That? There was one guy who gave me a lot of, gave me, uh, might have given me a thousand dollars to be interviewed for the book. Okay. And two days before I had to finish, I went back through the Kickstarter and all the tears, and I panicked. <laughs> I'm like, and I, was, I put on social media, please contact me, please contact me. I've only got like half a day to interview yep. you and put it in the book. Mm. And this guy come back, and he said, I don't care, I just want to help, you know, I just want to help, I don't really care. So um, there, was one, there was one fellow who's a friend of mine who um, um, didn't want to be part of the Kickstarter campaign but wanted mm. to help, so he gave me some money mm-hmm. and he interviewed me uh, and uh, um, the, that will go out, my podcast will go up, the plan is to go up the day the book comes out in Australia, which is okay. June 28, which might have already passed by the time people hear this, but there'll be a special white line fever where it's kind of like him interviewing me from my Desert Island Discs kind of thing, you know, so, um, right, okay. but I don't have all the tears in my head, but um, but one of them was, um, uh, there was a coffee table book, there was an I Take You to a Game, oh, okay. uh, and I've one guy, I already did that, 
uh, fellow in Newcastle, young fellow in Newcastle. So I think I've got, I've got three or four people still to do that. And, and uh, yeah, I don't even have a media pass this year in the NRL, so it's gonna, I can't even get myself in, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out, you know. The, um, I, I won't pretend I've read the whole book, but I've skimmed through a lot of it and I've read a couple of the chapters. It mm. um, starts off with some pretty serious stuff, but it's, it's very short. You sort of dis- I, I say dismiss, but it's, you don't dismiss it. But you cover in just like two or three pages um, the, the stuff about you being adopted, mm-hmm. um, some of your early life, what happened. You say being adopted empowered me. It was mm-hmm. one of the really things I took away from. Really, quite a, a powerful statement. Um, yeah, I. The... And I get that from the way you're talking here. You, yeah, yeah. you don't want to give people the wrong idea, and you didn't want this to be a book all about you and your, you know, your demons and yeah, coming yeah, to, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Andrew Voss has got a book out at the moment called uh, um, um, Things You Might Have Missed. And Andrew Voss, who people think of as a rugby league tragic like mm. me, I think some people think of me that way <laughs> as well. You know, there's some personal stuff in there as well about his childhood and how he loved rugby league, helped him overcome loss, personal loss and stuff like that. I haven't read it, but I believe that's in there. It's not available in Manchester, Andrew. But, uh, <laughs> but um, so there is... so. Yeah, so there is a, the beginning of it is just to get a few things out of the way in terms of context, um, and then we kind of start on the journey. And, and it is, and Jeff, as my publisher, was very keen to keep it sequential. Um, I kind of tend, tended to want to jump all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he wanted to keep it sequential, uh, and uh, and so that's kind of what it did. It starts off with a bit of introduction, then we embark on this uh, journey. Um, uh, over the course of the year, starting at the World Club Challenge, North Queensland played Leeds. It seems a long time ago, I know. Um, but but also one thing which we added quite late was that I was born Andrew John Langley, and if I'd stayed with my mother, my life would have been very different. Um, so I got Andrew John Langley, who I guess likes indie rock, lives on the North Shore and follows the Swans, uh, to like a third person throughout the book. Yeah, right? yeah, Andrew John Langley in very not in a big way, but he. But at the end of every chapter, there's yeah, this little... Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Andrew John Langley says, Steve, what are you doing? Or, yeah. you know, why are you doing that? And, and he kind of uh, audits my life in a way. So so I guess if we, we were talking about earlier how you're shaped by your... Um, how I was shaped by my circumstances and how I'm trying to get to the bottom of the intrinsic value of rugby league and, 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 and hair metal or whatever. You know, like, like the, the great way to do that is to uh, have, a, have a second voice mm. saying, well, um, you know, if you... If you'd stayed me, you wouldn't be into this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, and like, what is it worth to you? And to challenge me? Um, did you find that? Did you learn much from doing that? Or? Definitely, definitely. Um, I think journalism prepares you well to be objective, even about your own life. I think journalism prepares you well. To, you can be objective about the human race, which is very hard. I find anyone for anyone to actually be objective about the race. Mm. You know that, that. And I think just it's hard to imagine that being a football writer can help you um, do that. But I think it does. You know, you learn to. Take a take a step back, and um, so I did. And the, the impact on my life, regardless of whether anyone reads the book, has been enormous. And um, I said to my I said to my wife, like a few months in, I said, oh, "I haven't got much money this year. This is the worst year to be writing writing this book because I'm, I'm not travelling as much as I used to. And I used to be on the road, you know, four days out of three every four days out of seven every week. And I said, this is a terrible year to be writing the book. But actually, it was a good year because. Um, like now I'm sitting here and there's a Salford game on in two hours and I can just go, no, I don't want to go. It's raining. I don't want to go. And you compare that to the obsessive um, behaviour that I was guilty of for most of my adult life, it's a huge change, mm. you know, and I think the book 
helped me to kind of um, reach this point, you know? Yes, yeah. Um, one of the themes in the book is, of course, your, your journalism. Um, there's some great history of all the things you've done and things you've written for over the years. Um, you talk about what you're doing now. Tell us about, you, you're talking about you could go to the game tonight, doesn't really matter, but can you earn, is there a living to be made covering um, your favourite sport in the UK? Um, I and do are there it. many people that make a living out of covering rugby league in the UK? Yeah, there's fewer and fewer. I see in this country you see people walk away uh, from from covering the game all the time. Uh, there's a living to be made. I mean, if I wanted to go back to being a beat reporter um, in this country, I would probably, well, there's about, there's about four guys, five guys and girls, maybe six that I would have to kick out of a job. I'd have to, I have to white ant them. You know what right. I mean? And I, um, one of them anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kick on the weekends. Yeah. Well, I did. Well, I said in the book, one weekend I actually uh, went to four games in four time zones and did the jobs of eleven people, and eight of them would have been sacked first thing Monday morning because they did such a poor job. So, so I probably could try to take on doing six or seven, but uh, um, but you've done that really. Yeah, in the past, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, so no, the answer is kind of no. Like I'm doing, um, I'm doing stuff for the RFL website, and that is a recurring theme in um, in sports journalism now. Is that the governing bodies have got money? Okay. I've got money coming in from rights, yes, and stuff like that. So uh, and and obviously that presents problems as far as you know oversight and transparency and and and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so um, so but you know, I would say. No, I think I think here you get a lot of people who are sort of well, one foot in journalism and a few on the other side of the fence. You know, they've mm. got they got, and I've got little things going too on the sort of commercial side of the game, trying to start this up or start that up, um, you know, because it is, it is very very hard to earn a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, your finances, one of the more interesting things in the book, you talk about your credit card debt, mm-hmm. which got. <laughs> Which got as high as $56,000. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think at the time of writing, it was maybe in the 40s, and you were hoping to get it down to 20 this year. I oh, know, it's, it's below that now, yeah. It's, oh, it's, you've uh, done well. I've done really well, yeah. It's about, it's about 15 or 16 oh, now. Wow, so. Okay. so, but the thing is, my, my, income, is, my income is shrunk. Which would still freak a lot of people. Yeah, it would, yeah. <laughs> my, my, well, yeah, I've got this, like, I, I had this uh, storage room, and it's got everything in it. It's got, like, mm. uh, oh, it's got, like, a St George supporters kit from 1981 sent to 44 Stephen Mascord 44 Waratah Street Windang untouched you know right, like okay. you know um, uh, you know you, uh, it's got like a, a Russian rugby league um, 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 pendant from the world sevens uh, uh, and I've not wanted to get things signed hmm. or to pose for photos with people but there's like the centenary Australian uh, jersey um, signed which was given to us at a jersey presentation. The All Golds Tour of 2007 over here uh, signed. Um, uh, all this shit, but but and and, and like a thousand CDs, hundreds of records. Uh, every rugby league week ever printed. Um, a whole wall of VHS tapes. I used to sit up and and tape MTV and Rage, and I'd put the put the VHS on pause, mm. and in a song I like played, I'd unpause it. And I, I did I did I reckon I've got thirty or forty hours of that. Mm. Um, but I also owed a shitload of money, and I and I and I, I from travelling, hmm. and I didn't care. You know, yeah. I didn't care. And yeah. I guess, and I guess I and I, I did get to the point where I suddenly felt 
that I didn't need a lot of this stuff anymore. And I don't mean the physical stuff that I wanted to throw out. I meant the mental baggage that goes with it. You know mm. what I mean? So, mm. and and I thought, what the hell have I done with my life? You know what I mean? And mm. that, that and that and that was kind of a starting point to that strain of the book, which it's not all about that, but that strain, that narrative, that's kind of the start of it. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was used to be a collector, and I I got to the age where I thought I'm going to be dying. Yeah, yeah. One day, what's going to happen? All this crap. Why do I keep hoarding it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been able to slow down a little. Yeah, I think, but I still have a strong. Um, I figured that this generation, everyone says, that, you know, the um, the uh, well, duty, now, the so. duty of this generation is to save the planet or to go to Mars. Mm. The duty of this generation is sadly to digitise everything before no. it. You know, it is yeah. like no. all that VHS tape and all that, all those newspapers and all those magazines. I mean, I'm like. The stuff where we're living in an age now where a lot of stuff's going to be lost permanently if we don't digitise it. Such a boring job to to be lumbered with, but but I think it is our job. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rock and roll. That's obviously still a big part of your life. Again, it's 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 hard to make a living these days writing about rock and roll. (laughs) And um, you know, especially there's this you know the um, examples here in London that the music publisher that went broke. Um, were they called well, rock? classic rock? Classic rock. I were actually in the book. I went to I went to their benefit show in, in the book. Yeah. And you talk about how it was a future publishing bought it back for a fraction after, of what they of sold. What they sold it for. Yeah, yeah. For a fraction of what they sold. It. But you know what's happened since is that um, the uh, the way it has been interpreted by people who work at classic rock, and I don't know if this is the case, they feel that they had the the other publishers have decided, well, there's such a loyal following, they bail this magazine out, we'll start our own rock magazine. So there's now like Rock Candy magazine, uh, uh, there's another one called um, Planet Rock have a print magazine, Uh uh, and uh, Hard Rock Hell, which was one festival which is now expanded into a number of festivals and a road trip, now they've got a print magazine as well and a website. So they've all gone, well, there is, uh, there's this, uh, um, these people are so loyal that they will bail out a failing business, so let's start another failing business, you know what I mean? So, so, um, yeah, um, but um, I haven't, um, when I got involved again, which was, I went to Rock in Rio in about 2001 and, and did a story for Kerrang, I did a silver chair story and I did a feature on the festival mm-hmm. um, it was really exciting because I hadn't done it for 20 years and okay. I used to be do on the street and used to do Duke and um, Australian correspondent for Kerrang for a while um, and it was really exciting and um, now my kind of uh, focus has gone completely away from trying to get in classic rock or trying to get to kind of like the um, just trying to work on my own um, uh, pro, like um, um Brands or projects, and and before I before I came away, I had a promoters doing the um, um, Dan Baird tour, you know Dan Baird from the Georgia Satellites, and he got in touch with me about doing some social media marketing, and because I had all these Twitter and Facebook pages for all these dead magazines, mm. it worked really well. I earned a little bit of money out of okay. it, so I kind of um, that's kind of where I'm at there, and I'm I've got now got I've got contributors. Um, um, there's actually a funny story about going the full circle, actually. Um, uh, I was in Dublin Airport today, and there was a, a, a Rugby League World magazine. A Rugby League World magazine is based in Brighouse in Yorkshire. Okay. And I, I had a column in here called Bondi Beat for 20 years. <laughs> right. And um, about five months ago, or no, less than that, 
And he's just pulled the magazine out of his bag to show me. So it's a glossy yeah. colour mag. It looks, so, so looks reasonably healthy. I took, I, took, I took a picture of it and I said, look, it's available in Dublin because rugby yeah. people in England are always impressed if you if you see their, you know what I mean, in Dublin, even though it's only half an hour away on the plane, is exotic, you know. <laughs> and, so, um, and so and people would be surprised that I would promote Rugby League World when they just sacked me, basically. Mm. So they mm. just stopped asking for my column. But the thing is, James, I'm running websites where I'm paying guys 10 bucks a story. Mm. I can't afford me. Mm. You know, I understand why the bills... I understand they just can't afford to pay me anymore. Yeah. Uh, that would have been good if they said it instead of just stopped asking for the column. But then again, that's my fault for always being tardy and having to be asked every month. Yes. Uh, if I filed on time for the last 20 years, they might have had to speak to me. You know what I mean? But, but you know, and, and so... and But the, thing, the other thing that happened, and this is a sign of the times, is that the month after... Um, they stopped asking me for the column, and I, I moved it online straight away. Mm. Um, the reporter who effectively replaced me, Andrew Marmont, um, he rang me to quote me. <laughs> <laughs> he rang me to quote me in the same magazine the following month that had just sacked me. Mm. And I said, well, do you know this? And then I gave him a quote, you know. And I think I've spoken to Andrew. I may not. Apologies, Andrew, if I haven't. But I have a feeling I've spoken to Andrew Marmont about working for my website. Right. So okay. I know yeah. exactly how much he charges. Yeah. I know, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like I kind of know why they have to go with him because I've, I'm in their position now as trying to be a budding publisher. So, um, yeah, so the answer to the question is I don't, you know, for that reason I've got no um, grudges against them. It's, yeah. just, it's just business, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good you don't hold a grudge, and that's, in fact, one of the... Um, Messages. I think there's a page in the book of life lessons or yeah. something it's called, and one of the things is love the people that hate you virtually, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I mean, there were, we were going to do, um, we were going to do that every month, but it wasn't going to be me saying it, it was going to be people I interviewed. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, finding 12 people with extremely profound things to say isn't easy, and 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 Jeff said he didn't want it to be too preachy you know people yeah. respond poorly to be preached to yeah. so that 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 just became one page and i think that's probably the right amount of space to devote to it you know yeah. <laughs> look the background music's just started here in the um sort of lobby of the uh, hilton hotel is that michael buble it's something like that i'm not sure who it is but listen um rock and roll and rugby league clash in your um, White Line Fever podcast. Um, I I listened to today's episode 93, the most recent one. Yeah, I've actually only done, uh, I've actually only done, I've looked on iTunes, I've only done three all year. (laughs) Because it's just like, it's fun to do, but it's just... It's a labour of love. It's a labour of love, and yeah, Yeah. and... uh, um, and you do find what, what happens is you have the artists in your ears or their, their PRs in your ears. When's this coming out? Hello, John Howarth. Uh, I mean that in a good way. You know, he's a friend of mine who does, um, and he's like an editor now. He's like, oh, that interview I set you up with, you know, two weeks ago, I need the links now. You know, you know so he, that's his way of going, write it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, but it's been, I love, to, I love doing uh, White Line Fever and, um, you know, um, and now I've got something to sell, and that's the thing. Like in the past, as a as a as a, someone in that um, working in that area, be it a podcast or websites, you're trying to pick up a few fra- a fraction of a cent from AdSense, a fraction of a cent from e- uh, eBay affiliates or iTunes associates or uh, Amazon uh, associates, and now suddenly you have got something to advertise. Mm. You know, you got something you can you can put that. You can talk about the book on your own podcast. You can plaster every page, and and um, I and I, I imagine I will learn a lot more about advertising, what works and what doesn't, because I've got something to sell myself. 
now. And I'm actually just uh, started a business with Phil Brown, uh, who's uh, been around International Rugby League for years. Uh, there's nowhere to buy. No. You can't buy International Rugby League jerseys anywhere. You can't, you know, you know, if you want to buy an American Rugby League jersey, World Cup this year, there's nowhere to go. Um, so we've, we've started up a business and uh, uh, we're going to start, we're going to do a jersey a month. For, uh, the other thing is when I went up with Rugby League World, which again stopped me from having, and it's about this 360, um, 360 degree perspective on the very small industry. Um, uh, when I called, I called up Rugby League World, and I said, if we want to advertise once a month for this business, mm. um, how much is it going to cost? So now I know how much the guy who's replaced me is being paid, and I know how much they're charging for advertising. So again, I can't be angry that they punted me, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. I know if they're only bringing in this X for advertising, it doesn't add up, sure. you know what I mean? So yeah. anyway, so that'll be uh, hopefully, well, definitely before the World Cup, we'll be uh, having our first... Um, Has it got a URL yet? Uh, no, we haven't got a website for it yet, so okay. I'll, keep, I'll keep you updated. Right? Yeah, yeah, well, if you want to hear about that business, he talks a bit. Was it Phil Brown? Yeah, Phil Brown. They, he's a guest, one of the guests, some great big stars on this latest White Line Fever. I tell you, he's been saving up all the big interviews, but Phil's on there too. Amazingly successful guy. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. everything he touches, he seems to have some success with, and in sort of areas where you wouldn't expect a, maybe a business to thrive. So he's, he's so shy, though. Like, we went to, I went to the first Toronto Wolfpack game with Phil, and Phil wants... He wants selfies with everybody, and he he's like, and I'm like, dude, you have 610 tag rugby teams in the UK. You got a staff of 24, more than any Super League club, and and the people that you're, I know that you're a fan. It's great you're a fan, but the people that you're saying, can I have a selfie with you, are less successful administrators than you are. You know what I mean? So yeah. Anyway, Um, the podcast now. The podcast is unusual because unlike virtually all other podcasts. This has complete tracks on it, <laughs> complete music. Tell me how you've done this. Well, basically, I'm just waiting for someone to complain. <laughs> uh, but and it doesn't get taken down at all? Does that, you no, 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 I, have, I haven't had any. Because it's now, on it iTunes, now. isn't it? It might now. Yeah, but I, I, oh. I download, um, like I listen, my favourite music podcast is Noise in the Attic. Right. Uh, Aerosmith theme. Yep. It's a play on Toys in the Attic, uh-huh. Noise in the Attic yep. with a Z, okay. uh, and, uh, it's, uh, and it, it's, it's two hours of solid music, very few interviews. Okay. I, I download that off iTunes every, every week. Okay. Yeah, so it's just, so, a, they wait till someone complains. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and, what, and the thing is, when someone complains, look, I, I, I met a guy here who's involved in copyright, uh, and uh, he, he set up a software that movie studios use, mm-hmm. because... MTV own all in the early years of MTV they own the copyright to all the sound tracks okay. so basically if a movie studio or a TV studio wants to use music if they get it from that library it costs a fraction of what it gets if you go to Universal or Geffen or whatever you know so he said if you've got fewer than a thousand listeners they don't care right now I I have I probably have more than I have more than a thousand streaming listeners but download listeners I don't yeah. so Basically, until now, until you brought it up in this interview, no one's complained. But even when someone does complain, you only have to take out that song. Yeah. So it's not that big an inconvenience. You just yeah. take out that song. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. sorry. I can't imagine anybody listening to this will complain. I think, <laughs> I think it'll motivate them maybe to, to go and get it. And the, the music, I mean, because I'm not a big, big sort of metal rock fan, yeah. if you like. I mean, I was a long time ago, but... Some of it's surprisingly good, that choir boy which song is at like the a start. backhanded compliment. Yeah. yeah, but it's very cool. <laughs> that Choir Boy song at the start is yeah. very good, isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I've actually got to the point where it's kind of the tail's wagging the dog a bit, James, where I don't do another podcast until I've completely 
um, exhausted the promotional aspect of the previous one. So I sent out my own press releases to... Um, I pitched the I pitched the podcast at the various news sites and stuff like that, yep. and and I you know I actually do my own publicity for, for, for the projects. You know what yes. I mean? So yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, now you've talked about social. Now it's always been I've always found it hard to keep across what you're up to because you've always had a few Facebook uh, handles. You've had different Twitter accounts. Is it still a bit all over the shop, or is there places we can go to keep track of what you're up to? No, well, the, the two, the two, well, the, the main rugby league site is rugbyleaguehub.com and Hot Metal Online. Slowly, so rugby rugbyleaguehub.com. Rugbyleaguehub.com. Can't understand these Australians. <laughs> Speak too quickly. Um, and the, the main music site is hotmetalonline.com, which is obviously the old hot metal from back in the day. Yeah. Uh, um, um, and my Twitter account is at the real Stevis which is T-H-E-R-E-A-L-S-T-E-A-V-I-S. I've got quite a few followers, despite how hard that is to remember. <laughs> uh, and uh, But I look at it this way. Most people, if they want to they, they build a house, they put the... Um, um, they, they start with the foundations, then they build the frame, then they fill in the walls, put on the roof, and, uh, and then they put in the furniture and cladding and blah, blah, blah. What I've done is I've built a whole street of, of frames. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a whole street of frames and there's like, it's as far as you can see down both sides of the street. Yes. And now I'm trying frantically with the help of other people uh, to fill in the walls and to, and to put the roof on them. And, 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 and I, I, I'd like to think that the, having this promoter approach me and give me some money to use these brands to promote a tour is the start of the walls being filled in. I've now got contributors on Hot, on hot Metal and, 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 um, and on RugbyLeagueHub.com. I got sick of trying to suck up to aggregate news aggregators like Blabbermouth. If you're into the hard rock uh-huh. area, that's the main news aggregator. Okay. Um, so I set up my own, um, yeah. called uh, which is HardRockHub.com. Um, I, I pay a guy, not much, a guy in Serbia who's a very he's a very capable journo, okay. and he does he does five stories a week on there to keep it ticking over. When I've got something to promote from one of my podcasting or from Hot Metal, I put put it up there as well. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so yeah, I and I do like to think I've got the perspective to shut things down if it's going nowhere. I had a separate website for the podcast; it's a complete waste of time. I just shut it down. You know what right. I mean? And if any of that stuff just looks like it's a complete dead end, I will shut it down. Or in yeah. the case of rugbyleaguehub.com I'll sell the URL I've already had offers to sell it and I decided it had potential and I didn't sell it uh-huh. but for the moment I'm happy to do things incrementally right if this month was better than last month that's enough for me yes you know what I mean yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay the um, the quality on the on White Line Fever is really good as a podcaster who often gets beat up for some of the quality of our stuff I really thought it was good now you're on the road a lot so I thought I might throw this at you what do you travel with? And you, this is sort of not a, a pure business trip, so I won't ask you to go through your bag now. Yeah. But if you're sort of on the road and you might be doing some writing, some podcasting, what's in your kit? What, what do you take? It's right behind you. <laughs> Don't worry. No one's next. I've got an now eye on it. you reminded me yeah. about the existence of such a thing as a bag. Yeah. I was worried I lost it. Yeah. No, actually, yesterday, at my friend's house in Balls Bridge, a very posh part of Dublin, uh-huh. um, I interviewed uh, um, Mark Kendall from Great White. Okay. Um, and uh, so I... I've got a thing. I've got a thing called Skype Recorder. So every time I get a Skype call, in going or outgoing, it'll record it automatically, okay. and it becomes a file. So that's a third party app. Yeah, it is. is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 um, and it just it keeps it under mo- movies in my 
uh, in my uh, MacBook Air. Right. Um, and then I just open it using WavePad and dice it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, I have all my IDs on a um, on a thumb drive. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, hi, this is Ron Bumblefoot Fall. You might know me from Guns N' Roses or not. You're listening yeah. to White Line Fever. It's you know I've got like a few dozen of them okay. on a thumb drive, and I can dice it up uh, on WavePad. Um, uh, anytime I want I still haven't got my head around when I ask I find sometimes the artists now put on the earbuds because it, it makes the sound quality better okay. but it doesn't record at a very good standard like it, it, because it records me just talking at the computer it records them they sound tinny yes. uh, I'm thinking there's another setting so that we both sound better if I've got earbuds on as well but I haven't figured it out yet right. um, and with the music uh, which I shouldn't be using um, <laughs> all I do is on I, in iTunes I, 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 I left click on show file in folder show in folder and then and then open the file using WavePad and it opens into WavePad and it's cut and paste and I, and I won't bore you with like the um, there's a bug in WavePad now, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, so yesterday I was you know talking to you know him uh, for ages, and he was talking about how much he loves the Angels. Great White, uh, I still have two Angels songs in their set to this day, okay. and it's, you know and and, um, and today I actually said oh you might like to hear what the Angels sound like with Dave Gleason, and I sent I sent him a link, a Spotify link, have a listen to this and stuff like that. So um, I've actually had a really good run in the last few days. I, all bands I loved in the 80s, like um, I loved Junkyard, uh, I loved, uh, well, I didn't like Warrant back in the day, but I've since learned that Janie Lane was actually a very good songwriter. Uh, so, you know, Warrant, um, um, Great White uh, the other day, who, who I talked to the other day, Rhino Bucket, uh, toured with, um, toured with uh, The Poor and the Angels in 1990. Um, all these bands, so I, they all have new albums out, and just the same as you saying, Steve, you've got a book out, you want to talk shit for an hour. <laughs> it's the same principle. Um, and I, they all said yes, so um, I'm going to have to pull my finger out as far as the podcast is concerned and start pumping them out again, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you're doing person to person, do you have an external mic? What do you do there? You know, I interviewed uh, the, the, the current, current, there's a Vivian Campbell from Def Leppard thing now, and I just. Uh, I just had this backstage, and it was actually on running pretty flat. Yeah. yeah, just on my iPhone. Okay. Uh, I forgot it's not TV. Um, yeah, so so um, I just use I just use this, and it sounds fine. I find yeah. I've actually find the because I also use this for the pre-match interviews on Triple M, okay. which we don't tend to do much anymore this year. But um, always, hold, everyone says, "Oh, what do you got the microphone pointed away?" But it pops if you hold it like that. You've got microphones at the bottom. Yeah. If you hold it straight up to the mouth, it pops. So it's oh, actually it's better. Good, it's actually better off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, hold it close to the guy's mouth, but with the mic pointing away, and it won't pop. And yeah. it still picks it up just as well as if you're well, it's broad, it but it's way. broadcast. It's good enough for Triple M, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's great. That's great. So okay, just run through your itinerary again, then. So yeah, we're recording this at the uh, in mid June. Uh, the book's going to be out in the shops in Australia June 28. That's correct, yeah. Yep. And you'll be, when are you back in Oz? You'll be back in Australia in time for Origin 3. So I'll be back. Um, I'm going. I'm planning to go back via Kiev because okay. a friend of mine, uh, it's, it's a 10-year wedding anniversary celebration, so go back via um, And I'm still, I've, I said, uh, will I be able to do the blog from Kiev? And I said, yes, so I need a VPN, but I don't know what time, 3 o'clock, kickoff time is in Kiev but I've got to figure that out um, and then I'll go back do promo for the book uh, and then I'll come back here got a wedding to go to Challenge Cup final uh, and then I'll go back for the World Cup uh, so that's kind of the plan uh, the book uh, will be available if you go uh, 
you know, I would, I would just Google Stoke Hill, uh, Stoke Hill Press in uh-huh. Australia, and I Google Scratching Shed in the UK. Uh, if you're anywhere else, or if you're in the US or Canada, you can just go to Amazon.com and type in Touchstone Steve Mascord, and you should be able to find it. Should be able to order it. Um, yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, it's been great catching up with you. Interview two on the book tour, uh, and I could call it the. Well, it's the first interview with domestic Australian media, if you like. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was on another podcast. A pint, a pint with Shawnee B. And Shawnee used to work in advertising in Sydney. Right. And now he lives in uh, Dublin. He's got a ponytail. Uh, what did you do over there? He, he's, he's doing nothing. He was very oh, successful really? in advertising. Oh, wow. um, um, uh, so, so uh, and he's, we've got a mutual friend who I know from Boston who's never been to Australia. We're very... Mm-hmm good friends and she said uh, do you want to come around and do a podcast and I wasn't sure if I was interviewing him or he interviewing me I knew nothing and it was but it was it was kind of similar to this we we're talking uh, about the book um, a friend of mine Brendan Crabb who is a rock writer um, works for uh, um, heavy.com he worked for drum media whatever it is now what's the drum what's the brag yes. brag yep. um, he is his girlfriend is in Leeds and he's in Leeds now and so we're going to do an interview in Leeds for the late times <laughs> On uh, on uh, on Saturday, wow. uh, and uh, and and uh, another friend has said to me, uh, which I, I couldn't believe that this is possible, so I I dismissed it out of hand. But I might do it. That when I'm on the way back in September, uh, there, there's a North versus South uh, rugby league game on in Florida. Uh, the United States are playing Canada in a doubleheader with a Wolfpack game in Toronto. And he also said we'd go to the Australian pub in New York City and do and do like a book signing. And I'm like, imagine me doing a book signing in Manhattan. Um, and it would just be the rugby league community. It would yeah, just be yeah. like, we'll get 50 rugby league people there. That's enough. You sell 10 books, it's better than not doing sure. it. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah. so I, I thought it was a ridiculous idea. Well, that would appeal to you big time. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's ticking all your boxes, isn't it? I thought it was a ridiculous idea, but... Um, but um, uh, no, now I'm excited by it. But, but anyway... Just as far as it being a media podcast, all I'm saying is that I guess what I'm not scared by the impending death of my own industry, print no. media, because I think there's plenty of things to replace it. Yeah. And and I've and I've never been so excited about the um, horizons of possibility. Yeah, possibilities, not financial, but creative, uh, and, and as far and geographical um, that uh, before that I'm looking at now. Yes. You know, like to be involved in so many different different areas of of my own. It, Industry and, and, and areas of interest, and not just being paid twenty cents a word, or thirty cents a word, or sixty cents a word. There, there is another world out there, people. You know, mm. there isn't. There is. There is life after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and just before I push the stop button, I would want to give a shout out to Brendan Wood, who used to be um, co-host of this podcast with me. We had some great fun with you. Of course, Woody worked at uh, Triple M for a long time, uh, involved with some of the sports stuff there. Now he's a social media king at Seven News in Sydney. So. There doing very well. He's landed on his feet. Yeah. They're, they're very lucky to have him. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good dude. Yeah, yeah he's a good man. Um, Steve, look, always great to catch up with you. All the best with the book. Um, I look forward to sitting down and having a proper read. Thanks, uh, and uh, I appreciate you know, your support. I've got no idea why all these people want to talk to me, but I'll, I'll talk. As you can hear, I'll just keep talking till they, till they tell me to stop. So uh, I pre- it's good to see you, James, so far from home. Yes. And, uh, um, yeah, um, good luck Thank in you. the year ahead. All right, matey. Thank you. Bye-bye.